0: Hello, our podcast is about staying connected with the people of our communities,
1: their families, businesses, sexual events, and personal life issues. This is Bethany and Dr. Sarah with Staying Connected in the Wiregrass, and this is episode five. Today, we're going to be going over, do you have the same friends before the pandemic? Then also, has the pandemic been affecting marriage and relationship. Also, there's a lot going on that is happening all over the world that we want to talk about. And Dr. Sarah, can you introduce our third topic? Absolutely. And hello to all of our listeners.
0: We're certainly glad that you have joined us today. We're going to be talking about all of the stuff that's going on around the world right now with the Black Lives Matter protest. And we know that this is near and dear to a lot of people. You all may not can tell, but uh, Bethany and I are of two different ethnicities and we love each other. We embrace one another. We support one another. And we enjoy working together. And so we are a testament of the experiences that you can have in relationships when you just have a mutual love and understanding for humans, period, you know, for humankind. Our relationship, we just began to love each other from our first initial introduction. And we just loved on each other and gave each other big hugs. And we have been able to have success you know from that point point. and so we are encouraging others to do the same thing that we've done we've just loved and embraced each other regardless of our different ethnicities and we have a respect for one another as you can tell and many people have seen it's been going on all week the unfortunate death of george floyd And we're not here to pass judgment on either side of things. It's sad. It is a Mm -hmm. sad situation. And we're praying for the family, as we would any family, that something of this magnitude would have happened. And we stand for what is right. I do think, though, you know, Bethany, and of course, you're going to weigh in on this, all of that looting and rioting and tearing up businesses, when they start to do stuff like that, and there are a, a huge, diverse group of people, it's not just one race. Race that are destroying things, that, of course, brings about other feelings because it's unnecessary. And we remember when there were peaceful protests. And while we, we know that the Constitution gives us the right to protest, just like everybody else, we are encouraging people to do so peacefully. And then, you know, to come to the table and have conversations, I, I was able to watch a uh, town hall meeting. And it was called We Can't Breathe. And when I tell you this group of people that came together... It was very organized, and it was very informative. And so I'm hoping, it was a couple of lawyers there, one of the union representatives, I think, for the police department. And it was also a young lady who had encountered the police, had gotten some publicity, national publicity on that. And then they had an audience where they can ask questions. It was really, really good, and it stayed peaceful. They came up with a lot of suggestions that I hope they can present to the powers to be to those that are making decisions i hope they can present that uh, to them because i think it would make a lot of sense and make things easier for the officers as well as for the citizens so you know bethany one of the things I will say, too, that makes our job here a little difficult is because we're still practicing social distancing. Mm-hmm. So we're not in the studio. So, so if it seems like, you know, I'm doing a lot of talking <laughs> or if it seems as if we're talking over one another, it's only because we can't see each other. and We're used to seeing each yeah. other. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> you know, so what's your thoughts, you know, on all of this stuff that's going on? What's your thoughts as well?
1: Well, my boyfriend, he's black. He's mixed. So his mom is white and his dad is black. And I think the hardest thing is he's in Michigan still. There has been riots happening like a mile away from where he lives. And I, I can't be there with him. I can't be next to him, be protective over him. It feels like he's doing this alone and I don't want him to feel like that. So like I can show support like over the phone, but it's not the same as being there and he grew up in a predominantly white area it's been hard because he's not one to open up a lot and one of the hardest things where I felt super bad is I never asked him if someone's been racist towards him and I felt so selfish not even knowing that because that's me being white privilege and I felt so bad and he told me of some stories and I just I should have known I should have asked him years ago so that's been probably the hardest thing
0: yeah and see that's the that's what I love about you you have such character we know that we are of a different race but we do not allow that to stop us from seeing each other as human we do not allow that to blind us of the fact that we all go through a lot of the same exact things simply because we are human. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as with your boyfriend, my children from elementary to high school went to school with uh, predominantly white, or I like to say Caucasian children. Mm -hmm. And um, so right now they are kind of feeling um, some type of way um, from their, their Caucasian friends. Now, one of my daughters, her best friend is Caucasian. And her best friend is actually married to a, he's a black guy, but he's biracial as well. And they have a child. Her child just about two weeks ago was treated unfairly and he's only five years old. And he was treated unfairly by a Caucasian family because he had his little bucket and he was out on the beach. And so... With you having a relationship and you're going to get married soon, you're going to have children. How do you think you're going to have this conversation with your children because this is something that they could experience?
1: See, I didn't start thinking about that until this past week. So it's going to be hard when I have kids. Obviously, I'm going to have to let them know, but it's going to be hard coming from me because I never had to deal with what they would be going through so that's gonna be another hard situation yeah. for me to teach them but like they're gonna go through things that I've never went through
0: you know that's interesting that you say that because and we're gonna move on in just a second here I didn't know so I understand how you feel I can relate to how you felt with your uh, boyfriend mm-hmm. because you have lived a privileged life never having to go through that I, because I did not attend a predominantly Caucasian schools, I didn't know that my children were going through that. And so when they began to have issues, especially my son, it really did hurt me because I felt that I had put them in a situation that they were not prepared for and neither was I because I never had to deal with it. Yeah. And I didn't find out until things started happening, but I did jump right on it when things did start to occur. But the blessing of it was that they went to elementary, middle school and high school. By the time they got to high school, it was there, but they were able to handle it. So I can totally relate to you. And of course, you you and I are going to be friends for a lifetime. Yes. So I am here um, <laughs> to help you with your children you know, as you begin to parent them on what, you know, what could occur, because we're going to be having grandchildren, you'll be having children, I'll be having grandchildren, and they'll be playing with your children. Mm -hmm. So we're going to make sure (laughs) that we keep them having that understanding. And that's just something that we, we all want to keep in mind, because whether it was a white person or a Caucasian person or an African-American black person, we don't want anyone to lose their lives. We don't want their lives to be taken in this magnitude or for them to be unfairly treated. And so with that being said, I'm going to keep on watching it to just see how things are going as far as conversation. I know a lot of people are talking about having the opportunity to vote, to make changes. So we're hoping that some changes are made, even within my association, of the Real Housewives Christianity Association, I've expanded services today to be able to help with these types of issues, talking with your children, just dealing with understanding, just like what we're ta- you're talking about, white privilege versus the injustice or abuse or the degrading or devaluing of African-American lives and to create a conversation as to how can we help we may be small but how can we help to help facilitate relationships and gaining an understanding and that just happened today and i'm so so excited about that so you did mention everyone we talk about do we have the same friends before and after this pandemic pretty much how has this crisis this pandemic affected our friendships so i'm gonna let you go first with that one
1: I honestly feel like my friendship's gotten stronger, so I have a good group of friends here that I made through playing kickball, and like we would still text and everything. Obviously, we didn't see each other, but we finally just got to hang out with each other over the weekend. There was only a small group of us, and it just felt so good to be around my friends again, and it's like nothing ever happened, like nothing ever changed. It's just like we... Started right off to where we last saw each other. And it's been like three months since we had seen each other. And then I have friends probably like all over. So I have friends in Michigan and New York. And I actually touch base with some of my friends in New York that I haven't spoken to in probably since I graduated college. So that was like five, six years ago. So there's been, there's been a lot more like Zoom calls and reconnecting with people. So that I'm really grateful with Mm -hmm. reconnecting with friends I haven't seen or heard from in years.
0: Oh, cool. So let's see. I would say that I do have the same friends. Now, I have began to categorize things. You know how Facebook has that uh, close friends or I think it has like associates and stuff. Mm -hmm. Those different categories. I, over the past few years, have began to do that. Um, and the reason I began to do that is because what I discovered is that um, because I love family, I love community, I love sisterhood, I at times can can have or think more of the relationship than others. So I tend to put a lot in. you know how they say you love hard? Yeah. So I, I love hard. and I found out, uh, in a disappointing way, at, at first, that's the way it appeared to be, but it was good because it helped me um, to assess, uh, to reevaluate some things um, concerning how, um, how I uh, cultivate relationships. So it was a real good learning experience because you know when you grow up, everybody's your friend. Mm-hmm. You know everybody that play with you outside, you know, go to school with you, they're your friends. And so you don't really have a definition of what a friend is. And then you learn sometimes through uh, betrayal uh, or rejection that that's not a friend. And so I have allowed myself to somewhat empty myself of saying friends and just getting to a place where I'm cultivating and developing friendships. Um, And that's what I did. So during the isolation, I cut off all personal contact with people outside of my family and, of course, you so that I can really reassess and reevaluate where am I, where do I fit in the lives of other people and where do I need them to fit in my life? Because friendships is a big thing. It's a big responsibility Mm -hmm. and they don't just happen You have to cultivate them. And then you have to ask yourself, do you have time for that? I don't want to be a friend or say I'm a friend and not be a friend. I want to make sure that I'm there for that person. The way that I want to be the type of friend that I want someone to be to me. And I like to call, this is a good question I have for
1: you. So do you, do you like to call your friends often? Do you like to talk to them often? So, this is going to sound weird. I hate talking on the phone. <laughs> so, which is weird cuz I work for radio. I'd rather text more because I feel like I can do multiple things, like I can multitask when I'm texting and then there's never that like awkward pause, do we keep talking? Do we not keep talking? I mean, obviously I do talk on the phone to some of my like best <laughs> friends and obviously like my family and my boyfriend. <laughs> so, I I'm more Thank of a you. texter. <laughs>
0: Okay. See, that's your generation
1: too. That's one thing I know I've learned about
0: the millennials. You know, you guys do, you can multitask. That's one thing about you guys. I, I give it to you and you all text so fast. I mean, I'm like such a slow texter. Remember though, we used to do emails Mm -hmm. before all of the texting and stuff. So I've gotten pretty savvy uh, on the texting, but I love a phone conversation. I, I just like a really good in-depth, a conversation i don't have to have it every day though i used to talk on the phone to my friends this was years ago when i was young um probably every day you know we talked for maybe about a half an hour i didn't have many i've never really had a whole bunch of friends um and so you can keep that to a minimum but what i did find out was i i was a young mother so by the time my children get ready to get home from school and i'm sure all of the moms out there Can relate to what I'm saying, you're going to get caught up on the phone and you're supposed to be doing laundry, you know, and all of those things. And next thing you know, the time that went by, now you're trying to get everything caught up because you've been on the phone, you know, Mm -hmm. with the girlfriends. And so I've learned throughout life that I can't do that. That again has helped me to manage uh, my types of friendships and to manage my time. So I have the same people, but I would not say that I have the same friends because I've I've titled them differently now.
1: Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does.
0: I've titled that now because I was being a friend and I come to find out that it wasn't reciprocated. And um, I've learned that. But I encourage friendships and I am I'm embracing friendships. I believe that friendships are going to come my way, but they're going to have to be the types of friendships that I need them to be in this season, you know, of my life. And so I am, um, that's why I'm thankful that you and I are able to talk and share. We don't have to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. We do text. and then I have one other older lady who's actually like a mentor to me. And I, that's something um, that I really, I'm thankful for because I have mentors like I'm much older than you are. So I can mentor you, you know, help you when you need help and different things. And then I have someone that's much older than I am. And I think that that's really what we need. And that will help us in every way as a person, period. Then the other thing is we still might be stuck. I know that you were talking about going on a trip, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about taking a trip, too. The
1: cases are rising.
0: I don't know. I'm feeling a little bummed about that a little bit. How are you feeling?
1: I mean, I'm still going to attempt the trip still. And I still have time to like figure it out, the final confirmation. But I think flying, it's hard because it's like when you fly, it's kind of the same as like when you go out to the grocery store. You're still being put in that same Mm -hmm. type of situation and i know with flying they're super careful with spacing people out wearing masks and everything i don't know it's hard because we've been going through this for three months now and we don't know if it's going to come back if it's going to keep getting worse like what's going to happen so it's hard just the not knowing so i'm still going to attempt the trip but it's all hearsay right now
0: yeah well i am certainly hoping that you get an opportunity to go I was going to Michigan for the 4th of July, but I canceled. Um, I'm going to just wait and hopefully I can go August or Labor Day. Only because of the girls, I don't want to put them in a dangerous situation because I don't know. You know, with people traveling back and forth and using restrooms and all that, hotels, because that's a long ride, we would drive. My husband has not been released from the doctors yet to fly, so we have to drive. We're not quite ready for that yet. And so it's just something we're going to keep our eyes on. And I'm hoping again that the numbers begin to decrease so that you can take your trip and I can take my trip and then we can enjoy our summer. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So with that being said, we're talking about our other relationships, our marriages. And I know you learned something new about your boyfriend last week and I learned something new about my husband We're still talking, though, on relationships and friendships, but how has the relationship
1: between you and him been
0: since, you know, before and after this pandemic?
1: I mean, we've always had a pretty solid relationship. It's been hard because we've been long distance for over a year now, and now this is the longest we've ever been apart. It's just over three months since we've seen each other last. So I think we've actually gotten stronger. We have to keep up that communication. Communication is so important in any relationship, especially with your significant other. So we have to make sure like our communication is number one. And then also checking in on each other, too, because I'm alone. He has a roommate right now, so he has someone. But still, he's still alone. So I think just making sure we're both OK. But I honestly think we've gotten stronger. It's just hard not not seeing each other because we can FaceTime and I can see his face. But it's still not the same as being Right there with them every single day.
0: As far as my marriage goes, there has not been any uh, negative changes, of course. I would certainly say that we have gotten um, closer. I think, though, that we are learning about in our, each other's individuality. There are a lot of things that we have done together in our years of marriage And now we're getting to a place where he's doing his thing and I'm doing my thing, but it's all in the same space and it's unified. So we're complementing one another's gifts and skills and talents. And we're having conversation more so about like planning uh, for the future. That has been really, really good for us. We're doing things together around the house. Um, Usually I would do more of the, domestic work, you know, the cooking, the cleaning and stuff. Um, But since we have the girls, he and I'm having to go into my office since I've come back, you know, once they gave us somewhat of a clear uh, sign, i started going back uh, to work. At least it's three days out the week. He's helping more around the house and with cooking and we're doing it together. So that really makes me feel, yeah, it makes me feel so good. He shares with uh, helping me with the girls. I guess we're bonding after 20 years, we're bonding even better than, I wouldn't even say better, but our bond has become stronger and it has become more intentional as well. Like we're focused on what we need to do. And, of course, we love one another, but it's not like, you know, all of that lubby dubby, oh, I can't, you know, wait to see you. We're happy when we see each other, and we're proud of each other's growth. Yeah. And so we're separating, but yet unifying.
1: I think with mm-hmm. couples, like, if there's a parent that's more predominantly at home with the kids, and now the other parent is home because of working from home, or if they got laid off from the pandemic, I think there's more of an understanding now with, the sharing of the housework or taking care of the kids. So I think that's great that he's helping you out more.
0: I know that this probably happens in in almost everybody's marriage. Sometimes, you know, women, we can complain that men don't help and they may not. But you have to bring certain things to their attention. The one thing that I've learned is, is not that my husband wasn't willing to help. I had to bring it to his attention to say, you know, hey, can you help me with this or help me with that and he's like, "Yeah, he was so excited about, sure, whatever I can do to make it, you know, easier for you." But I had been doing it all on my own and I hadn't even thought because I didn't want to interrupt him. He is the sole provider of our family and so I didn't want to take him away from his work. My my business does not provide for the family. It helps me to serve, you know, the community. And it does what it does, but my business is a nonprofit, so I'm more service oriented. I I just didn't want to take him away because I know he need that time, and he was like, you know, sure. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I should have been
1: asked <laughs> <laughs> you know, ago.
0: <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes we just take more on ourselves than than we have to, and then we do make assumptions that not just with him, even with other people. And I'm pretty big on that because I, I don't necessarily like asking people for help. That has been a big change for me during this isolation that I am not afraid to ask for help. Um, and because I help a lot of people and generally that's what happens when, when you help a lot of people, the people that help a lot of people don't ask for help. It's almost like the doctor who was sick or the hairstylist whose hair is never done, yeah. you know, or the fashion person who always you're asking, looking like, what are they wearing? So, you know, we do have to learn how um, to ask for help, you know, and that's, that's a good thing about teamwork too. Just looking out for, you know, one another. And so we are really good team. He and I, that's what I would, that's at the top of my um, thought for he and I, we are an, excellent team we work very well together at home in business as well as in ministry yeah
1: yeah that's how me and my boyfriend we work really well together I got lucky because he I never even I don't think I ever had to ask him to help me with chores like he would always do it it's always like pretty equal and he's a better cook than I am too like when I moved here people were like do you even know how to cook Bethany my friend's back in Michigan I was (laughs) like Yeah, because Kevin did all the cooking, but I wouldn't get home until nine, ten o'clock at night. So Kevin would be like, well, it doesn't make sense for me to wait for you to cook when you're getting home so late. So he was the one that mm-hmm. did more of the cooking.
0: So my husband brought me lunch today, and I had asked him earlier what was he cooking for dinner. Although I hope it's just something small. But he's not a better cook than I am, but he can he can bake fish better than I can.
1: Same. My boyfriend can too. Yeah, I'm not that big on baked fish. I just like fried fish for the most part. I like fish. I just can't, I mean, I just don't know how to cook it. So.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's one of our to do lists. I'm going to have to show you how to cook some fish yeah. so that you can surprise Kevin.
1: Yeah, he would love that.
0: <laughs> <be> like,
1: oh. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Do you have like a favorite fish? Is there a specific type of fish that you
1: like? Salmon. We used he used to make oh. salmon with pesto pasta. That was like our go-to meal because mm-hmm. it's super. Like, the salmon's super mm-hmm. healthy for you.
0: Okay, yeah. See, he's my kind of guy because I I love putting pesto in my pasta. Like I very seldom. Have you ever had pesto macaroni? I know we're getting a little off the subject, <laughs> but pesto macaroni and cheese. Oh my god I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. See, I love cooking, so that's one of the reasons why my husband has doesn't have to do. A lot of that, but I just think that it's really cute that he doesn't mind and how he gets in and he's trying to find the pots. You could tell he's never in the kitchen (laughs) because he's trying to find everything. And so I'm like, so what are you looking for now? he'll say well I'm looking for that spatula I'm like okay it's in that drawer right there and then a few more minutes you can hear him in there moving stuff around I'm like so what are you looking for now and he says I'm looking for that wok or something I'm like it's Sunday so I told him I said we can tell you never you know work in the kitchen it's so cute though to see them scrambling around looking for
1: stuff at least he's trying though yeah Absolutely.
0: Even with uh, something that, (laughs) now to me, this is funny. So I'm somewhat of a perfectionist. I'm getting better, but I have to admit, and we always make up our bed. So what we do is he gets one week, I get one week. When he gets his week, the bed be made up, but certainly he doesn't fold the sheet back. Like he'll pull the sheet all the way up. He will do the whole entire thing, put the pillows on the bed, having it look made up. But he doesn't do it at the the same way I would. Mm -hmm. So Like I fold the sheet back. I make sure there's no wrinkles. The pillows are standing up straight. You can can just like walk into it and it looks like you're in a showroom or something. And so at first, when we first started doing that um, during this isolation, we started taking turns. Before, I would just make the bed up because i like for it to look perfect, like you didn't sleep in it. And do you know, I was actually becoming somewhat irritated because he wasn't doing it the way that I was doing it. Hmm. And I said to myself, now you know better. Because if I were coaching someone else, another wife, and that was a pet peeve of hers, I would tell her, get over it. At least he's making the bed. Yeah. So I had to tell myself that, like get over it. At least he's making the bed. Yeah. You know, so those are things that's why I say we can always grow. You can always grow in life and you can always overcome those little pet peeves. And 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 um don't sweat the small stuff. That's why I always tell people. Don't sweat the small stuff. And I found I had to tell myself that.
1: I never make yep. my bed. <laughs> Only on the weekend. No. <laughs> you would hate it. <laughs> so you just get up off the bed, Bethany, and get dressed after you shower and stuff? Yeah, because when I go back in, I'm like, oh, looks like it's slept in. <laughs> ready, ready for me to go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my children used to say.
0: They used to say, why do we have to make our beds when we're going to get back in it and go to sleep? Exactly. And I'm, I'm like, because you're not sleeping now. <laughs> and look, they got smart too. So they would take their uh, additional comforters and just sleep on top of the bed so that they wouldn't have to make it up the next morning. I'm like, no way. And then I started saying, well, you know what? If that keeps your room looking clean and your bed being made, up oh well i'm not even gonna just fold your blanket the cover and put it away i some things you do when you grow in life you just say okay that's fine but this is the interesting part they make their beds up now yeah i still don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) so they didn't want to do it when they were younger but they do it now
1: (laughs) yeah not me (laughs) i think if i had so how about
0: washing dishes
1: yeah if i had kids i think i would make my bed to be like the example but it's just me so I think that's why I'm more like relaxed with it.
0: It actually looks more inviting uh, for me when it's made up. Like I want to just get in it and sleep in it when it's made up versus when it's, uh, when it's not made up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's something. Maybe that's the reason that some couples are having some difficulties because I have been doing weekly marriage coaching classes. We've been really successful with a lot of the classes. I got a really good group of women. They, they are there faithfully every Thursday. We're working through a lot of the issues that are not that important. I will say that this pandemic, as well as this isolation, has helped all of us to, to learn uh, and to appreciate the essential parts and the essential people that are placed in our lives and to just be grateful you know, and thankful that we have them, and to not look at all of the flaws. And so, yeah, we've been really—I'm—I'm I'm proud of that. I'm very, very proud of that. Been very consistent, and I'm seeing good results from the women as well as myself.
1: It's good. And Dr. Sarah, mm-hmm. can you say your number again? I know you say it every episode. One of these days, I'm going to remember it. But if someone needs to call you for advice. Can you say your number again? Absolutely. Area code 334-655-3925. And that
0: 3925 is, is Excel. So it's 334-655-EXCL. But that's 3925.
1: Tune in the next episode. We're going to be talking about getting back on track and how we are adapting and adjusting to the new norm. And we want to be able to help you and walk you through it, basically.
0: Yes, and thank you so much for tuning in with us on today.
1: And we look forward to being with you next time. Until then, have an excelling day. Staying connected in the Wiregrass is brought to you by The Radio People.